You're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast by Sam and Brian Dostal. Everything sports, all the time. love college football and a big reason is because of fight songs that you hear at games and UConn is not one of our favorites to be honest we like it because it's UConn but we were just listening before the show just Ohio State Michigan Notre Dame all all the top programs in their college fight songs and it's it's a good time it is and uh, we actually had this discussion briefly and we'll do it on a future podcast we'll talk about the top college fight songs that's a great discussion to be had right there it is. I mean, because when you associate, like, Hail to the Victors, you think Michigan. Uh, when you hear Boomer Sooner, you think Oklahoma. It it associates Rocky with their top. teams. Rocky Top. Tennessee, of course. Uh, it, you know, it, it adds to the atmosphere, and I think it, that's something that, you know, professionals, they don't have a song with it, and I, and you know I think it's cool. You the Baltimore Ravens play a song, I think? Well, the, Who has a band? Someone the Redskins. The, the Redskins. Redskins. When they score a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, it's all right. But people but it's don't not the know same. that. It's no, it's not the same. But to, just from a player standpoint, coach standpoint, when you come out of the tunnel and you got hundred thousand fans cheering for you and your fight song, pretty special moment. Well, and, and what's one of the best parts of the Army Navy game, or when the any of the academies play each other, Air Force? Uh, it's when they play the respective songs, and the teams go over and. Uh, they stand in front. They sing with their with their fellow comrades. Uh, they sing the song, and you know, and then they go to the other side, and uh, they they do the same thing. That's one of the best parts of those games. Uh, and I think this is a great discussion to have uh, for a midweek show somewhere during college football season. College football season just around just around the corner. Yeah, we gotta be doing a preview pretty soon. Just saw the uh, hey. Big time, UConn Villanova Thursday, September third, seven thirty. How much are your tickets going for right now? I don't. Should, do you want me to look? Go for it. I'd be interested to see how much it is. Villanova, not even a Division One team. They're a double-A. Very good double-A. So, I mean, this is a affordable opponent for UConn. Well, UConn almost lost to Stony Brook last I know. Year. <laughs> that, was, that was bad. All right, this is the Sports Brothers Podcast with Sam and Brian Dostler. We've had nine days off. You haven't heard us from a long time, a longest break of the summer, but we are back and better than ever. It's August 18th. It's our 20th show, Sam. We've rattled off 20 of these things throughout the summer. And people keep listening to us. And people keep listening. Shout out to them. Thank you. We appreciate Um, that. On StubHub, $22. All right. That's That's more than I thought. (laughs) How much did you pay for BYU last year? Uh, 20 That was for the UConn. you were looking at StubHub right there? Yeah, I'm looking at StubHub. Uh, actually, uh, just looking through the most expensive game right now. Well, you can get ticket. Ready for this? You can get a ticket for the USF game on October 17th for $28, but you can get a parking pass. You have to pay 49 for a parking pass. For- <laughs> wow. All right. Um, so is that worth it? No. 
the most that's strange the parking passes are actually consistently going for more than the tickets the tickets are 20 26 uh, 28 there's a lot of 49s there for the parking passes so clearly you UConn plays both army and navy this year that's i I, I knew that. So clearly, yeah. UConn is valuing the tailgating and the football before the game than their actual on-field play at Rentschler Field. Well, most people don't show up till the game until like midway through the first quarter. That's true. At least at the BYU game I went to last year. Wasn't it pretty warm that day? It right? was. It was a very, see. That's why I want you know. It was, Bob Diaco got me all fired up. I was like, maybe we're gonna have a new team, new thing here, and. Uh, I went with mom and dad. It was a very nice night for football, and then it was like fourteen nothing within like six minutes. It was touchdown, fumble on the first okay. play by Max DiLorenzen after a nice little seven yard run up the middle, and then so they turned it over on like the twenty five yard line, and then and the game was over before it even started. Yeah. All right. So for today's show, we're going to be starting off with the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. Head over to Major League Baseball. Sam, it's been a while, but you have a back on the radar. It's been, what, a month and a half since? I do. It's not a person. Okay. little it's, tease here. Um, it's team-oriented. Okay. All right. And then uh, I will also have a confession score. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, talking about Geno Smith. And then uh, Stump the Bro to end the show. What is it? Is it it's still 5-5 five, five in Stump the Bro. Yeah, we both were wrong last Yeah. Time. So, uh Still don't know what the winner's going to get. We'll figure it out eventually. Anyways, Sam, let's start with the PGA Championship, Whistling Straits. Jason Day finally has his day by uh, taking home the crown. 20 under for his first career major victory. Yeah, and, and he's a guy who you want. He's a, he's a good good person by all accounts, and he's gone through a lot. He was headed down the wrong road as a 12-year-old uh, when his dad died. His dad struggled with alcohol, and Jason Day was going down a bad path. He actually found his First golf club on a garbage heap, I think it was. Uh, his mom sold their house so he could go to this golf academy uh, in Australia, his native country. And here he is as a 27-year-old to be 28 in November, uh, winning the PGA Championship. He's knocked on the door so many times. He had to share the 54-hole lead in, all the fi- in the final three majors of the year, the U.S. Open. And if he had won the U.S. Open, that would have been an unbelievable story with the vertigo issues he was dealing with. Uh, he came up a couple rotations short of getting into the playoff at St. Andrews last month and then finally breaking through here. And uh, he just played steady. I mean, you look at a guy, and it was the lowest score to par in a major, in major championship I think that's amazing. under par. It's Jason Day. It's not Tiger Woods. It's not Roy McIlroy. It's not any. I think that speaks to the depth of the game. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, talking about how fi- people are finally starting to move around, move move on from Tiger Woods, and the media as a whole is starting to recognize that. But uh, it amazed me listening to the the folks on Golf Channel and just talking to people uh, prior to that final round. Jason Day went into that final round with a two-stroke lead over Jordan Spieth, and it was amazing to me the number of people who thought Jordan Spieth was going to win. Well, based on how he's played this yeah, year. But Jason Day has been phenomenal. And you figure if Jason Day shoots three under 69, Spieth has to shoot at least a 67 at a time. And you knew Day was going to go under par. He'd hey, been playing but Spieth, so well. The way Spieth's been playing just, this year. I was sitting there, and I thought there was no way that Jason Day lost this golf tournament on Sunday. I would have been shocked if he didn't win the tournament. Would have been heartbreaking. Would have been... He has a lot of momentum going into next year. He certainly does, and it it, it adds to the depth of golf uh, right now. Uh, you have, of course, Spieth, 
Jason Day has been there all year. Uh, and you look at a guy like Roy McIlroy. Hasn't had his best season, didn't win a major, but he was dealing with injuries. Uh, suffered on July 4th the soccer injury with the ankle. And because of that, people are finally starting to <laughs> – I mean, I've been saying it for about a year. Why, why do we always talk about Tiger Woods? You, you, you turn on the golf channel, you turn on whatever, and it's all about Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods. What's he doing wrong? What can he do to get better? What's wrong with his game? Is he going to get back? Is he going to win another major? You read golf magazines. They, and I get golf magazine once a month, and they do a player interview. And it starts off the first, I don't know, 50% of the interview talking about that player, about that season. And then all the time, there's a Tiger Woods question. And every time, I'm just like, why are you asking so-and-so about Tiger Woods? You know, you're, you're talking to say, Tr- Trying to keep Justin the Rose. non-casual golf fan. I know, that's what it is. And in- interested. There's enough storylines, I think, to keep the non the casual golf fan interested. As Ryan Rosillo said yesterday on the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio, we've had great finishes in majors the last couple of years for the most part on Sundays. If you're not interested now, you're not going to be interested. So let's just move on. If Tiger – You thought Tiger was going to win this week. I did. I had a weird gut feeling. But that's besides the point. If Tiger's around and is playing well, let's talk about him. Great. We can talk about him. If he's not, you know, we don't have to harp on him because there's these guys like Spieth – and Day, and Justin Rose, and and, and uh, Roy McIlroy, Ricky Fowler. Uh, you got guys that are there on a week-in, week-out basis that can carry this sport. And not to mention, they haven't they're, – they're better people than Tiger are. Uh, Tiger's not a great person. Even before the whole uh, scandal in 2009 – he wasn't warm with the media. He wasn't great with the fans. These guys are. These are the guys you should be focusing your storylines on. Jordan Spieth, Sam, though, even though he did not come away with the victory, shot 17 under, uh, three back of Jason Day, but he is now the number one overall player in the world, just 22 years old. What an accomplishment from this kid, just 22 years old. The sky is limit for this kid. It is, and he's a guy who would have been just graduating from college now, and uh, he left after his freshman year, had that amazing win at the John Deere where he uh, kept playing on all these sponsorship ex- exemptions, got a win there, and it just vaulted him to the next level. And uh, we've seen him perform now time and time again on the big stage. Uh, he's always in the mix. We saw him win the John Deere this year and then almost win the British Open to have a chance at winning all th- four majors. Um, it's just phenomenal. And what blows me away is when – People talk about Spieth, and, and I don't understand how they've been saying it. They've been saying this for a couple, three years now as well. They'll say, oh, he doesn't drive the ball great, and he doesn't have the best power. But they're like, he doesn't have the best power. He's not the best putter. He's not the best this or that. Well, he's obviously pretty darn good because he's always right there. And uh, he's a great person to carry the torch for golf. Uh, comes from a, a very family-oriented uh, position. The family all travels. Uh, has a sister who suffer, suffers from some men- – from, uh, some mental problem, um, and it's just he's the, a great person to have carry the game of golf, and it, it's it's flaming these rivalries, McElroy, Day. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch the next decade with these guys as the major players. My last take with Jason Day, uh, just incredible story, the way he was yeah. able to overcome everything. You mentioned uh, that his, his father passed away when he was 12 years old. This was a kid after his father's death was 
leading towards alcoholism and drugs. I mean, this he could have taken the wrong turn at the wrong time, but he gives a lot of credit to really his second dad, Cole Swan, his caddy. His caddy now, yeah. That's a huge part of the story. And and really, Sam, if you think about it, golf is not an inexpensive sport to play. No, no. And to, for his mother to take out that second mortgage, to have to move and, and everything, look, this isn't like basketball where you can pick up a basketball and go to your you can walk go down to the, the road and play at the park. You no. can't do that. Golf, I mean, it's a pain for anyone. It's like, oh, I got to pay twenty bucks for nine nine holes. Like, well, I paid twenty bucks yesterday to not hit one good shot. Regardless, uh, well, I'm just saying. Like, I, I know as, it's an expensive sport. It's a very expensive sport to get clubs, to get new clubs. I mean, you you said that you guys first club on on a garbage can. Uh, I think it makes this story that much better because somehow, some way, he got it in. He paid for his rounds. I mean, if he goes, what he he has to go four, five, six times a week. Well, he went to a golf academy. That's where he met his caddy. Okay, and, I mean, but you could just see the emotion. Day was day started crying before he won that tournament, and then when they finished, you could see the emotion on both their faces when they embraced on that final green. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a great scene and uh, a very welcomed person into the the major championship ring. And, and this isn't going to be his last. I would be shocked. No, if I don't think so last. either. Uh, it, it's one of those where he finally broke the door down, and uh, he's got a lot of big years of golf ahead of him. All right, let's head to the major league baseball diamond, Sam. It's August 18th. We're just a few weeks away from the non-waiver trade deadline. And, Two or, weeks, not even. Not even. What, uh, the 31st. Yeah. Uh, September's almost here, and now we're really starting to see the contender versus the pretenders. Uh, let's start with the Los, Los Angeles Anaheim of Angels. And you brought up this point, what? The Los Angeles Anaheim of Angels? Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a tough name to say. It is. And they just changed the re- in the last. They change it like, like every three minutes, I feel like. <laughs> so, Anyways, so the Angels, California Angels, if you want to go by that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Anaheim Angels. Okay. Mike Sosha, you brought up a good point, Sam. Is he on the hot seat after this season if they don't make the postseason? At the All-Star break, or uh, or just, just just a few weeks ago, it seemed like they were a lock for the postseason. But you look at the standings well, had now. Houston falling apart a little bit. Anaheim uh, starts to be playing better, and now, and now, right now, if the playoffs started today, they'd be out. They're a half game out of the second wild card behind the Baltimore Orioles, who four game winning streak. They swept the the Oakland A's. Uh, but back to the Angels, they're six and seventeen. Their last twenty three games, and they're just not playing good baseball. No, they're not, and. I've been thinking thinking this for a couple of years now. Is Mike Sosha on the hot seat? Then they went to the playoffs last year. And you look a little deeper. Sosha, this is his 16th year as a manager now. And for a long time, it's been Mike Sosha, best manager in baseball, right? You've heard that yep. in the past. In his first 10 years, they won a World Series, went to the postseason six times. The first couple of years, it was spent turning around the organization, moving them in the right direction. His last six years, they've only made the playoffs once, Bri. And that was last year when they got swept out of the first round. I think if you're Angels management and you say, all right, we have an Astros team that's going to be really good for the next coming years. Maybe we need that new voice. That's the th- this, we this need Houston a new guy. Team. I think the, because the Astros, I believe, are, are here to stay. I yeah, don't think this is a one-year thing. They're only going to get better. Yeah. This is not their peak. As no. long as their guys stay healthy and continue to progress at the rate that they've, that they've progressed, uh, this is an Astros team that is going to be the class of this division. And Texas, too. Apparently, they oh, Look at them. They're right there all of a sudden, too. Boom. Texas are one game back. 
in the wild card. In the, in the second wild card, yeah, Which 16, is right 57. Behind, uh, they're right there with Anaheim. Yeah, just a uh, And on game. paper, the Angels should be a much, much better team. Oh, without team a doubt. Texas. When you have Mike Trout, when you have Albert Pujols, when you have C.J. Wilson when he's healthy, uh, Jared Weaver, uh, Eric Ibar, you have those players, you should be better. And in their, their July 31st uh, trade acquisitions haven't really panned out all no. that much. I mean, David Murphy, Shane Victorino, uh, David DeJesus, those guys really haven't played that well. And when you get three outfielders, it's like maybe you should have gone with the, some other direction. Maybe you should have gotten a Chase Ali, who, by the way, is still available, uh, Sam. And it seems these Ali rumors, what do we think of them now? Because it's, it seemed like he was going to be traded, like he was, he was going to be gone. He's also said, hey, I'm content of retiring, playing out my career in Philadelphia and retiring as a Philly. Yeah, and he says he wants to be an everyday player. Do you think Socia's on, you think Socia's on the hot seat, right? Just oh, no, I do player. too. Okay, okay. But because of the Astros, I think that's a huge part yeah. of it. Okay, I just wanted to see if we were on the same page. Anyways, uh, Chase Utley, you, and he says he wants to be an everyday player where he goes. One of the big players has been the San Francisco Giants. Is he going to be an everyday player there? I don't know. Uh, he maybe at the beginning, um, but I don't think he'd be an everyday player. I honestly think the Angels is the best place for him because uh, right now they're everyday second baseman. You could DH there. I think he wants to play second base. So uh, Johnny Giovatella is the everyday second baseman for the Angels, hitting two sixty nine. He's had his moments. He's but, but uh, the thing about Utley though is, what's to make you think that he's going to be the Chase Utley that we saw? During the good Phillies years, yes, he he's had a nice little run since he's gotten back from the DL. But I mean, he hasn't had a great season. He hasn't. I mean, Chase Utley's a big name, yeah, but he's not. I I don't think he's anywhere close. I'm surprised that there's this much talk about bringing a guy like Chase Utley over. I think a big part of it is well because of his name, because he's at one point he's sitting 500 since he since he came off yeah, from but the disabled it's a small list. Small sampling. I understand, but hey, it's it's, I mean, it's on one the, of those things where if you catch him while he's hot. Yeah, I know, I know, but I mean, I don't know. But you, the Giants you look at his, his, he, he's a two eighty two career hitter. Yeah, but he's two thirteen. Last for the year he season. was an all. He was last year he was an all star. Yeah, but it's not last year. I understand that, but I don't think the Giants is a good place for him because you got Kelby Tomlinson right now who's filling in just fine for Joe Panic. Tomlinson in 11 games, hitting 348. Panic is on the uh, DL with a back injury. He's expected to be back September 1st, and you have to slide Panic right back in there, same at second base. I don't think, there, I don't think you, can, you can't afford to put Chase Utley there if you have Joe no, Panic. There, there's no doubt about I it. I mean, Joe Panic had a unbelievable – he was unbelievable in the postseason last year, and he's he's carried that right over to this year. He's, he's had a great year, but it's uh, one of those things where it's concerning – because they didn't think it was too serious when he first went on the DL, right? And, and now he's off to see a back specialist today. So is this one of the – I guess we'll probably find out a lot today when he talks with that back specialist. No reports have come out as far as uh, what the results are yet, but um, I think what happens with that back specialist could go a long way in determining what happens with Chase Hutley. If the back specialist says, you know, I think he can be back in a week, two weeks, whatever it may be, then they just try to stick it out with the situation they have. If he says, well, it might be a little more serious, I don't know if you'll get him back till the third, fourth week of September, then you, you maybe push a little harder to make that move for a guy like Chase Hutley. Again, they, do, they still do have 10 days or 12 days before uh, this trade deadline. To, to pick up Butley. 
All right, uh, moving on over to the Toronto Blue Jays, Sam. Interesting move yesterday. Drew Hutchinson, a, a guy that we mentioned on, on last week's podcast, because of his high ERA, and we said he's a winner. Take a listen. Drew Hutchinson, or Drew Hutchinson. has a 5.42 ERA this season, but has 10 wins. He's 10-2. and two. Rick Porcello, 5.81 ERA, and has half the wins. What? More than four times the losses. He's 5-11 and 11 this season, and the ERA is really pretty much the same thing. I mean, 5.81 and, and 5.42, not much difference. And, no. And Hutchinson just has all the run support. Mm-hmm. Hutchinson, he's a winner. He's just a winner. He, and that's how you have to define him as. So there, Sam, we say he's, he's a winner. There's no Sarcastically. other. Sarcastically. Yeah, sarcastically, but there's no other way around it. And then he gets sent down to AAA. Uh, but the move kind of makes sense in a way. Uh, the Blue Jays are going to go on an eight-game, eight ten-day road trip uh, and that, that has three days off during during that road trip. Hutchinson is 2-1 and one with the 9 ERA and 11 starts on the road, so he doesn't pitch well away from the Rogers Center. And uh, with those days off, the Blue Jays can afford to go a four-man rotation. So, you know, it, uh, Hutchinson is not pleased, and I don't blame him. No. But from the strategy standpoint... He's coming off a good start, too. He is. He is. Uh, the, the thing that cracks me up, though, is remember the... I was just looking for it, and I found it the Yahoo. Uh, we saw it first on Yahoo last night. Uh, and and the, the title is Pitcher sent, Pitcher sent to Miners Despite Sterling Start. Blue Jays right-hander Drew Hutchinson is 12-2 and this season, but that's not enough to keep him on the team rationale for bold move it's like and then you read the article and they don't even make a strong it's not even a sarcastic headline (laughs) it's like dude the guy has a five plus era here and actually it's gone down recently it was 5.42 a few weeks ago now it's down to 5.02 so he's pitched well recently uh but (laughs) not good enough apparently uh to replace him they called up infielder matt haig who leads the international league that's triple a in batting average at 348 Hits 161, 83 RBIs, and he also has 10 home runs. So uh, if if the Blue Jays need more offense, they could get it from this guy. And not that they need more, <laughs> but um, you, I, I think it does make sense though when you look at the fact that they have the off days coming up on this road trip and the ERA of nine on the road for Hutchinson. It makes sense. You're in a playoff race now. You can't afford to run a guy out there who struggles with that ERA. That's why we talked about the win-loss being, um, at times, an overrated stat, and this is a time where it is, and obviously the Blue Jays know that, and they know that despite the fact he's 12-2, and two, he hasn't had a great year. You know, the, the, they're not dummies over there in the Blue Jays' front office. They, they know. They know exactly what they're doing, obviously, and I, I don't have an issue with it, obviously, and... If I was Drew Hutchinson, I'd have, I'd have, a, I'd have a heck of a whole big-time issue with it. But as someone who's reporting on it and talking about it, I don't have one problem with it at all. He will start the first game back uh, for their next home stand, August 29th versus the Tigers, but his next start will be with Triple A Buffalo. Hmm. Hey, at least uh, the ticket or uh, the, the attendance for, for Buffalo will be good. I suppose. that That's good news for the organization. Uh, to the back to the San Francisco Giants, Sam. It's one thing we want to touch up before the show. Their schedule. Watch, hold on, Hutchinson. He's going to be a. If they make the playoffs, watch. He's going to have. He's going to become that unbelievable pitcher. 
Because he has he throws well, so hard. Hey, I mean, if he's if he has nine ERA and eleven starts on the road, chances are he won't pitch away from the Rogers Center. But do you start? Well, let's think. If they win See, the division, they, maybe if they get Marcus Stroman back, they could put him as the fifth starter for he'll, road he'll for road bullpen, games. I bet Hutchinson. I don't know that. Stroman is still a maybe. But do you would you start a guy? And like they that? don't and they don't know if he's going to be a starter start a or a reliever. Would you start a guy like Hutchinson in game one or two at home though? I mean, look, he's he's won games, Sam. He's twelve know, and two. But you, you got a guy. Obviously, David Price is your front line guy. But yeah, Ari Dickey, game two. Burley. Burley, game three. Which would put this guy on the road. All right, fair point. Do you start him on the road? That's what I'm saying. No, I, I if if you're not going to start him on the road in August, you don't start him on the road. Yeah, in but would in you October? But you can't you can't bump one of those. Do you bump one of those other two guys for a road start and have Hutchinson uh, start game two? I don't know. It, dep- it, it might depend where you are. If you lose game one or if you win game one. But you like to, You don't want to throw a guy out of the r- routine and say, okay, well, we assume we're going to win with David Price and then lose at home with David Price and then say, oh, actually, uh, Mark, we were going to have you start a couple days from now, but we're now going to have you you pitch tomorrow because – or, you know, I don't know. You, where was I going with it? Okay. Say they put Hutchinson as game two, right? Yep. But Burley and Dickey, they'd probably start Burley. And say Burley was going to start that road game because they don't want Hutchinson pitching on the road. Okay. Do they now flip those two guys and say, Burley, actually, you're going tomorrow, despite the fact that you've been getting ready to go two days from now on Thursday? I think no. I think it's one of those things where you have a meeting and say, hey, look, if this happens, we're going to go this way. If if that happens, that's what you tell a pitcher, right? You don't want to mess with a pitcher's mentality. When when they know that they they have the ball two days ahead, you better keep it that way. You don't want to mess with the pitcher mentality. But if you say, you know, if depending if they, we I don't think if we do win that, this though. game, we'll go this way. You know, be prepared for different scenarios. But look at it. Say they play a seven o five game, an eight ten game on a Monday night, game one, Rogers Center. They lose with David Price on the mound. What if they start on the road? Then you. Then this whole conversation is completely changed. It is, but I'm just I'm talking from okay. All right. David Price starts game one. They lose two to one. Price is phenomenal. Tough luck loser. Eight innings, two runs. They lose. Hutchinson was slated to go game two because he's better at home. Mark Burley, your grizzled vet, the guy you really want to go game two, was scheduled to start game three as a road warrior on the road. You play at one the next day. You can't really tell a pitcher. Actually, you know what? In uh, in 16 hours, you're going to get the ball. Well, well, we're moving on, but that's where I I just think you, you tell your pitcher. I don't say, think it works that way. Well, though. I'm I'm just telling you. you. You just say, hey, depending on what happens, that's what we're going to do. That's in high school. That's what what it's coach different. would say. It's I'm different. Just, I'm just saying. You get, you just tell him all of your different options. All right, back to the San Francisco Giants. They have a brutal schedule upcoming. Uh, they just started a three game series in St. Louis. Then they go to Pittsburgh for four games. Then they go to Wrigley for three games. Come back home versus the Cardinals for three. And then go to L.A. and face the Dodgers for three games. Sam, that is a brutal, brutal schedule for the next couple weeks for the San Francisco Giants. And a team that really – and, I mean, you could even throw – obviously they swept the Washington Nationals, but that was expected to be a, a tough three-game series as well. 
uh, but they breezed right through Washington. Uh, I mean, you're gonna you play these teams eventually. You play them. Um, you're gonna play these teams for the allotted amount of games every year. Just so happens it comes at this time of the year. All you can do is go out there and take care of your business and um, try to win some ball games and hang in there, right? I mean, there's not much more you can do. That's the schedule you're given. The Nationals six-game losing streak. Uh, good thing for the Mets, they got swept by the you know, Pirates. Both and teams, I think, have to be kicking themselves after this past weekend. You look at you look at it from the Washington point of view, and they're saying, "Man, if we had just been able to win one or two of these games, we would have been able to knock a couple games off this deficit." And then you look at it from the Mets' point of view, and they're saying, "If we had been able to win one or two games, we could really have yep. ourselves a nice cushion right now." Didn't pan out that way, though, and. Uh, the Nationals, this is a team that a lot of people, including myself, had not only making the postseason but the World Series, and they're treading water right now. Speaking of a manager on the hot seat. Yeah, Matt Williams. I mean, I still can't believe he took out Jordan Zimmerman last year. It's unbelievable that, to me that he did that. Oh, my God. Bold prediction. <laughs> if the Nationals do not make it to the postseason this year, Paul Goldschmidt is your National League MVP. Even if... Even I'm saying if the Nationals Harper's make it, then Harper. A better year. You sure? I mean, I don't know. Goldschmidt hitting 334. He's got 86 RBIs. That's both more than Harper. Uh, he's he's got 19 stolen bases. Harper is five. Uh, the only thing he's he has on him, Harper, is home runs, and that's 30. Goldschmidt is 20. Has a uh, 22. Paul Goldschmidt is the most underrated superstar in Major Did League you read Baseball. That article about him. No, I did it. Really good article. There's no. If he was in a bigger market, if he was with the Dodgers, if he was with the Giants, if he was with the Yankees, if he was with the, the Mets, if he was in a bigger market, everyone would know his name. Everyone would need that Paul Goldschmidt jersey. But he's an Arizona team that's not going anywhere this year or in the in the past years. No one cares about him. But I'm telling you, Sam, Paul Goldschmidt is is absolutely an MVP worthy player. Maybe he will. I don't know. It's it's really hard. To, it's, he could win it even if the Nationals do make the playoffs. He's hard, been that good. It's hard to say at this point. He but he's been, he that, been good, that good, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> what? You you're just like, huh. uh, some serious news. Yankees pitcher Brian Mitchell took a liner off the face last night, uh, off the bat of Eduardo Nuno, former Yankee player. Nuno's. Uh, Nuno's and. Uh, not off the head, but the face. Uh, he has a small nasal fracture uh, taken to the hospital, already released from the hospital. I cannot believe that. He's already out of the, of the New York hospital. Uh, but something, obviously, same injuries are a part of the game they do not want to see. But when you see something like that, that, that visualization of a ball coming at someone's face, it's always scary. It certainly is. And, and that ball, it was moving. And... Over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And that ball was cruising, and you you could just see how fast it was moving by the fact that it ended up in short right center field. I think it traveled over a hundred feet after it. I mean, ugh. And what I always find the most awkward part is you still have to play the game while that's happening. You know? Yeah. Like Jacoby Ellsbury had to come and make a play on the baseball because the runner was coming around to score, and you have to keep going. I mean, you, you just you don't do. stop. Yeah. And it was kind of like there was a Connecticut, a Connecticut Tigers game, uh, a player for an opposing team. He broke his tibula and fibula rounding third base. And 
the Connecticut Tiger first baseman, Tanner Donalds, had to run over and tag him still. And he runs over, and you can see him, like, it's just kind of, it, like, it, not looking and just kind of tapping it on him and sprinting the other way. But it's that, that, I think, is the most awkward part is it just, it just keeps going, and everyone just wants to get out there and start the treatment, and you have to finish the play. It definitely is an awkward situation, yeah. without a doubt. It, you do have to complete the play, and, you know, it's – you have to keep playing. I mean, there, there's no way around it. Right. It, it sucks, but, you know, in we, we've had games where people say, oh, you got to stop the play as soon as the kid's injured. It's like, no, actually, you don't. You got to you got to finish it. It's amazing how many fans like you'll go to a, a game and fans will, and there's a player down on the other end. And they're like, stop the play, stop the play. It's like, well, it's like, tough luck. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> that's that's the break sometimes. No pun intended. No pun intended. Well, that was bad, huh? CC Sabathia last Saturday got in some a little bit of altercation. A brouhaha. A brouhaha, and uh, at a Toronto club, and he said he. Says he flipped out and he was very, uh, he was thankful that his friends were able to pull him away from the altercation. He said it lasted about no more than 25 seconds. But my question, Sam, is how many friends did it take to pull him away from this altercation? Well, he's lost some weight. He has, but he's still a big guy. Six, he, like what, six, seven? You have to get yeah. him in the car. You have to settle him down. I mean, I, I got to assume it's at least five, six people that are pulling him back. I would guess, yeah. Me and you, one person could take me with one hand and just throw me in the car, and it would be over. It's like, all right, Sam, just calm down. But CC the Bathy, you you, you got to get like a couple of people on on each side. Then you got to some just some security around me. And they're not like people like me and you trying to. No, play it, it's I have to it, it's. I'm sure it's a lot more muscular, and, and even so, they still need a bunch of people. Oh yeah, and. It's very good because you know the players. They're going to go out. They're going to have fun. And they should. They work hard. They deserve to to be able to relax. And it's just very fortunate that, because I guess on the video, uh, some people f- videoed it with their phones. A fight. TMZ caught it. Yeah. Well, it was sent in by these people. Okay. Um, but I guess not long after he got into the car, something did break out. A fight of some sort did break out. So, uh, I'm guessing we would have heard about it a lot sooner. <laughs> Had T- CC been involved in the fight? Yeah, but, if CC Sabathia punched somebody, I think we'd have heard that pretty but quickly. It's good that he was able to get in the car yep. and, and really avoid anything serious other than uh, yelling a few things. You are listening to the Sports Brothers podcast with Sam and Brian Dostler. Moving on later for, for the show, Sam is going to have his back on the radar in just a moment. Uh, my confessions corner about Geno Smith, and we're going home. We're going home to Connecticut to find the best Connecticut athlete of all time. Now, this player was born in Connecticut, whereas, uh, whereas in the past it's been uh, a franchise player of a, of a certain city. But this is born, blood-born Connecticut guys that we're going to talk about. And it's our eighth and final stop of our city tour. And then we're going to end the show, as always, with the fan favorite, Stump the Bro. But, Sam, it's time for your Back on the Radar. They've been off the grid for a while, but now it's time for Sam's Back on the Radar. Usually we go with people, but uh, in the spirit of the Major League Baseball playoff race really heating up, we're going to welcome some teams back onto the radar. Some teams that have been off the grid a little bit. They've kind of, once really July's rolled around, no one's really talked about them. Uh, And we'll uh, we'll just rattle through some team names here and uh, 
extend a big open arm, say welcome back, the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay. Just the game back. Very much in the playoff mix. Uh, the Minnesota Twins. They might be 12 and a half back in the division, but they're right there in the wild card. The Houston Astros. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? A year ago, they were one of the laughing stocks of Major League Baseball, especially after they didn't sound, sign their first round pick. They had arm concerns about that. And what do you know? The kid did go down with a Tommy John injury. Uh, did get drafted again this year. But uh, the Chicago Cubs. Go Cubbies. Nine-game winning streak snapped last night, but third-best record in the uh, National, National, League League, <laughs> National, in League the National League Central. National League Central, also known as the National League, as they might have three of the five playoff teams. The And we will complete it with the New York Mets. Big welcome back. We're both on the bandwagon. We are. Fired up about the Mets, going to a game in about a month's time. Um yeah, so just just welcome back to these guys. Great to have you back. It is fun. You, it's it's fun to we I, we've talked about this off the air, but it's nice to have uh, these different cities involved that you don't usually see. Yeah, you always hear about uh, the people who, uh, well, we want the New York market, the Los Angeles market. We're people who are going to watch regardless, pay attention regardless. So I like to see these different teams in the mix. It brings a diff because. We what what does the Rogers Center look like sold out? I have, well now we know. You know, it's it's I'm interested to see if they do make the postseason. What's a Rogers Center game gonna look like in October? Right. Do they do the towels? What what do they do? You know? What's what's it gonna someone be? Someone will have to tell them someone will have to teach them that or they don't know. They they don't know what to do. They've never played in a uh a divisional series. They're the only team that's never played in a divisional series. Granted they uh, still might end up a wild card team, so they might not this year, or they might not even make the playoffs. But um, it's it's I, I just personally I like having new teams in the mix. Love the Red Sox to be in the mix, of course, uh, but that's not happening. So it, it's going to be a really fun September, I think, with all these teams right there. All right, it's your favorite player, everybody, Geno Smith. It's time for Brian's Confessions Corner. Buckle up, everybody! It is time for Brian's Confessions Corner. Aren't the Jets just a laughing stock? And then this happens. Geno Smith, you're the quarterback of a New York franchise. You're no longer at West Virginia. You're no longer in college. You need to grow up. You need to make better decisions than not paying off your buddy IK and Paul E. Now this is Geno Smith should never have been in this position. IK and Paul E. He had a wedding. He invited Geno Smith to go. He paid for his plane ticket. Very nice gesture of IK. However, Geno Smith, after saying he could go, could not go because he had to do with he had to deal with some family matters, which is fine. Okay, go do go do your family stuff. So with that, Geno Smith owed IK six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars, folks. Geno Smith can easily give someone six hundred dollars with his contract. Does he deserve that big contract? That's all another story for another day. But he has the money to pay IK and Paul Lee. And he never did. And it got to the point where tensions boiled over at practice and, and Paul Lee socked him in the face. And this is not the first time that and Paul Lee has had anger issues like this. Back in 2011 when he was at Louisiana Tech. He was charged with disturbing peace and battery of a police officer. You look at NFL scouts, 
and they say this quick trigger and this and this kid can get awfully mad very quickly. You can make some bad decisions. This, as much as this is IK's fault, Geno Smith is just as guilty because Geno, again, you're the leader of this team. You should be uh, the vocal person, uh, the mature person. You should be the guy that uh, really is okay. Here's six hundred dollars right away. Don't don't waste any time when you're dealing with a player like this. Now you're out six to ten weeks. Now you're out six to ten weeks because a guy socked you in practice, sucker punched you. Wasn't even really a football related injury because you didn't pay up six hundred dollars. To Sam and I, $600 is a lot of money. To you, as a listener, $600 is a lot of money. But to Geno Smith, not a lot of money. 600 bucks. It's a sign of immaturity, Geno Smith. And then you go out and you start posting pictures of yourself throwing a football around at your house. What, what good does that get you? Are you trying to clear your image? What, what, what are you trying to say? You're tough and that you can overcome this and now you're throwing the football already? Even though your doctor says to lay off, rest, don't do any football activities. What are you doing, dude? It's not like you're uh, Aaron Rodgers and you're going to you know, come back and, and be a superstar. You're not that good. You're simply not that good. You got to grow up, Geno Smith. No longer in college. Should have paid IK and Paulie. And Sam, it's this situation just over blue to the point where Geno Smith literally paid for it. Yes, he did. You, you do have to be mature about things. And um, it, it's the right thing to do to, to pay for your plane ticket. Not to mention, weddings are pretty darn expensive already. So just give them the money, you know, and, and move on with your I don't wife. know how long it was in between. Like the break, if it was a week, if it was two weeks, a month, whatever it was. But regardless, the first time you see IK, you say, "Here you go, buddy, six hundred bucks. Not that difficult." Doesn't even. Have, I'm sure he could have just. Or he could have mailed it. There's numerous reasons, ways of, just of getting the money. Transfer a check over or something. Pretty simple. And do you know what he have to just tell your, tell your agent probably. Oh, I, I need to give six hundred dollars to this guy. Just transfer it over for me or something. I don't know. His wife, if he has one, his girlfriend, whatever, somebody. Somebody. Just just give him the money. Sticking with quarterbacks, New York quarterback Sam, Eli Manning says he wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, the He wants to have the biggest contract in the National Football League. As Giants fans, that's not something you want to hear. Um, he's not Aaron Rodgers level. He's not Tom Brady level. He's not Andrew Luck level. Not even Russell Wilson level, uh, and he just signed an extension with eighty-two and a half million dollars. Um, I, I, I'm not not thrilled with this comment at all, and I'm surprised that Eli would say something like this. To be honest, not to mention he's thirty-four years old. That too. So, and by the time next season rolls around, he's going to be thirty-five. Good math. Good job. I have it right here. Oh, okay, good. So. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little surprising, isn't it? Especially because you look at like a guy, his brother Peyton Manning. He he took a pay cut this year. He, you've never heard never heard Peyton Manning come out and say something like that. If he wants to make more money, just do more direct direct TV commercials. Think, get money that way. Like why why does he need to be the highest paid quarterback, highest paid player in the NFL? He doesn't. He's not even that. He's not that good. And no, no, he isn't. <laughs> he's simply not. He has Although a, last year he had a he had a pretty good year last. Yeah, year. but okay, but you said he's thirty. He's, th- he's thirty-four now. 
it's just not. Sticking with the NFC East division, RG3 says he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Laughing stock NFC East right now. now before you go too far into that, and Joe Theismann brought up a great point, and this is what I thought. When you hear the whole thing, it's more RG3 saying that he's confident in his abilities. He does directly say, I think I'm the best quarterback in the NFL, but it's in a roundabout way saying that you have to be confident in yourself when you go out there on a weekly basis and think you're the best there is. There's that, and I'll, I'll say this. But uh, you still have to word it differently. You can't say, I'm the best quarterback in the NFL. Kevin Durant a, a week ago was, or something like that, he said he thought he was the best player in the NBA. There, I, there's, there's a little more uh, truth. truth to that. You know, okay, Kevin Durant. Well, All right. When he's healthy, he's probably the second best. Fair point. RG three at least. RG three, when if ever healthy, you know, yeah, one good year. What have you done for me lately? Nothing. When healthy, he's not a top fifteen quarterback. You don't think so? I don't know. RG three. I'm just to make my point. Okay. He's definitely not top ten. He has some terrible. I can't remember what they said, but he's well below 500 in his last handful of starts. Oh, without a doubt. So, I mean, I don't I don't know where you'd put him, but he's certainly not in the top 10 of quarterbacks. He no, might not I, be no, top no 15. If but if he's healthy and playing well, he's a top 15 quarterback. But he hasn't been healthy. I'm saying if. I no, well. no no no, I know. He in reality he's not he a is. top 15 quarterback. I don't know if he is if he's healthy. I mean, he he was good his rookie year. I mean, he won the rookie they of the year They dumbed it down year. for him. Maybe they should dumb it down even more for him. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. Certainly not the best quarterback in the NFL. All right. We are going to stay home in our hometown, say Connecticut, to find the greatest athlete of all time in CT. It's on the rubber, the 2 2 hole. Swing and a miss. He's talking about the 2013 Red Sox are the world champions and Boston Strong. enjoy living in Connecticut, Sam. It's a good state. Me too. The taxes are very, very high, though. One of the highest rated in the country. I love the Farmington Valley area, too, where we are. I like Plainville. Yeah. Everyone talks about you got to leave your town. Yeah. I've always liked Plainville. I've always liked Plainville. Nothing wrong with Plainville. It hasn't done anything bad to me. Actually, it's done a lot of good for me. I like most of the people. Yeah. It's a small town. People are friendly I mean, with I'd one like another. I'd like to move out of our house. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be living here for 75, 80 years, 90 years. But if I ended up living in Plainville for my life, would it be the end of the world? I don't think so. Not in this house, of course. No, Anyways, I don't think you want to Great athletes that. in Connecticut. There's a lot of them. 
There are, and I was very, very surprised. We have, of course, the six for a normal show, and then we have at least six honorable mention. You may even have some that I didn't write down. Um, and we don't even really get into the U- great UConn basketball players. No. Which, of course, none of them were actually from Connecticut. Um, but that doesn't matter because you look at some of the athletes, Los Angeles, New York. Mariano Rivera wasn't from New York City. You know who right. one person we should have really put in? Who? Diana Taurasi. Yeah. Can we add her? But, um, or is it too late? Um, if you get her stats, I'll go first. <sighs> no. Well, here's the question. Let's let's do this debate right now. Is she more imp- is she more important than Dwight Freeney? What? To the state of Connecticut, I say yes. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So are we going to go with Diana Taurasi there? I think we are. Okay. Um, why don't you take the first three? I was going to take the first three. You take your time with those first three, and I'll uh, get some Diana Taurasi stats. Okay. All right. So let's start with San Francisco quarterback Steve Young. Yes, folks, Steve Young was born in Greenwich, Connecticut, a three-time Super Bowl champion. He was the uh, Super Bowl 29 MVP, the 1992 and the 94 regular season MVP, a seven-time Pro Bowler, 49ers number eight, uh, jersey is retired, a Hall of Famer, and Steve Young came right after Joe Montana. You talk about the great uh, 1980s and early 90s San Francisco 49er team, it's, and it's due in part largely because of Steve Young. A left-handed quarterback. He might be the best left-handed quarterback in NFL history. Uh, certainly a, a, a guy that could not only pass the ball but run the ball, was very elusive. Um, I personally like him as an analyst on ESPN. I think he does a pretty good job there. Uh, but Greenwich, Connecticut is where Steve Young grew up. Um, let's head to the basketball court. And Marcus Camby, uh, actually, well, just keep going Mar- with it. Yeah, I'll you just keep going right with back. it. Um, second overall pick out of UMass in the nineteen ninety in the nineteen ninety six draft, uh, was picked by the Toronto Raptors. Sam, he started his high school career at Conard High School in West Hartford, but then he transferred to Hartford Public. In his senior season, all he did was average twenty seven points, eleven rebounds, eight blocks, and eight assists, and he led his team to a twenty seven zero record in a state state title. But other than that, he did nothing. Um, and while he was at UMass, he was coached by John Calipari. Um, so he was part of those great teams at, at UMass. Of course, uh, their banner is no longer flying yeah, at the Mullen Center. Unfortunately. The house that can be built. I'll tell you, have you've never, have I've you never been, been there, Mullen no. Center? But they played their games when Marcus Camby was there at this place called the Curry-Hicks Cage. It's where they have the Western Massachusetts basketball finals. This is this little dingy gym that sits about 4,000 people. And they, it is, it's one of those old-school gyms, and, uh, you know, the wood bleachers. If you – that place, when Camby would have been there, oh, it would have been rocking. It would have been an awesome place to watch basketball, right on top of it. It would have been hot. It would have been cramped. But the atmosphere in there, oh, it would have been awesome. I'll, I'm telling you. Oh, it would have been a fantastic place to go watch basketball. I'll take your word for it. Oh, it would have been great. That's what I think of every time I walk in there. How great would this have been to watch UMass basketball uh, during its its big years in the mid-'90s? And my third and final uh, camp before Sam takes over, Matt Harvey from what? What are you doing? What? What three are you doing? 
I went in the wrong order. Yeah, you did. Oh well. Uh, Matt Harvey, 2013 All Star. He's coming off Tommy John this surgery this season. Uh, he's 11 and seven with a 2.57 ERA. Sam, go ahead and brag about your Matt Harvey story. Hold on, I gotta figure out who you talked about so I don't talk about them. Um, well, oh, when we beat them? Yeah. Well, I didn't play, but uh, coach first base. I did coach a heck of a first base. Uh, yeah, Matt Harvey, senior year, pitched against Plainville High School uh, late in the season, about three weeks before the draft, and we beat them four to one. And we knocked them around. It wasn't like they committed errors. And I'll tell you, never have I. It was unbelievable, Lima. Were you there? I believe so, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the amount of people there, excuse me, uh, scouts, walk-up fans. I mean, we get pretty good crowds at our baseball games, and there were hundreds of people there. I mean, it was standing room. Oh, so it's always standing room there. But uh, it was it was rows deep trying to get a look at this kid, and, and we knocked him around. We like to say that we cost him a couple million dollars. And the Mets, they have to be thrilled because he ended up being – Going into the year, he was projected as the first overall pick in the Major League Baseball draft. Didn't go to the third round. Ended up going to North Carolina for three years, getting drafted seventh overall by the Mets uh, in the year that he went. Uh, but unbelievable. And I still can't believe that that team did not win an, a state championship. They had Jesse Hahn, too, who uh, pitches in the Major Leagues now for the uh, – the uh, who was it? Oakland for the Oakland A's. Yep. Yeah. So just so you know, you have Tarasi, and then you have uh, three and four yeah, on I, this list. I, yeah. I don't know what order you went in, but I'll start with Chris Drury. I'll go with um. I don't have three. Well, three and four became Tarasi, and I have six. Right. No. Look. Look at where there's information. You have three, four, oh, and Tarasi. Oh, I got you. All right. Well, Chris Drury. Uh, Won a lit. He's from Trumbull. Won a Little League World Series with Trumbull. Uh, as a 12-year-old, he was the star on that team. Uh, played for the Colorado Avalanche. The this is in the NHL now. Uh, New York Rangers, Buffalo Sabers, and the Calgary Flame. Won a Stanley Cup. Two-time silver medalist. Uh, rookie of the year in '99 with Colorado. 255 career goals. Uh, 360 assists. Hall of Famer. Great hockey career for. Uh, Chris Jury, the rain, uh, Brian Leach, also a Hall of Famer. Connecticut has a great hockey history. It's probably their best hockey sport history-wise. Yeah. Um, Bring back the Whalers. Yeah. Um, Brian Leach, Rangers, Maple Leafs, and Bruins. Ninth overall pick in 86. One of the top defenders in NHL history. Uh, two-time Norris Trophy winner. That goes to the top defender. First American-born to win the Conn Smythe Trophy when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup in 94. Also... Uh, in the Hall of Fame. He was actually born in Corpus Christi, Texas, but moved to Cheshire when he was three months old, so he uh, grew up here in Connecticut. And then the late addition, Diana Taurasi. Just without UConn, obviously Tennessee started it, but UConn has turned women's basketball into uh, headline news. Uh, they've made it a headline story, and uh, Diana Taurasi, her four years at UConn, averaged double digits in points uh, in all four years, uh, considered the greatest player in UConn women's basketball history. Uh, Naismith Award winner twice, 03 and 04. That's to the best player in the land. Uh, Three-time national champion, 02, 03, and 04. NCAA tournament MVP in 03 and 04. Two-time Big East player of the year in 03, 04. Uh, gone on to just a fantastic uh, WNBA career. She was the first overall pick in 2004, most valuable player in 09. Nine-time All-WNBA first team. 
Uh, the list just keeps going on and on and on. She won the championship in 07, 09, and 14. She took the year off this year, but uh, Diana Taurasi, uh, best player in UConn women's basketball history, has to be on the list. Without a doubt. On to the honorable mentions. Well, now Dwight Freeney's there. Uh, Bloomfield. From Bloomfield, Connecticut. Jonathan Quick from Milford, Connecticut, the L.A. Kings goalkeeper. Mo Vaughn uh, is from Norwalk. Norwalk. Played for the California Angels and the Red Sox. Aaron Hernandez would have been a surefire uh, guy on this list, no pun intended. Uh, but, of course, from that Bristol. happened. From Bristol, Connecticut. Actually got a chance to somewhat meet him in a way. Uh, Joey As Lug- he was on the phone signing autographs. Yeah. Joey Logano. Was that that summer or was it the summer before? It was uh, 2012 because it was before a playoff game. 2012. So that was that the summer? What? What summer did all that go down? It was that summer, yeah. It was like a couple weeks later. Uh, Joey, Lo- Joey Logano from Middletown, Connecticut, a top NASCAR driver. Jeff Bagwell, first baseman from uh, – played at University of Hartford and uh, longtime first baseman with the Houston Astros. And got to give a shout-out to Nico Kudavides from Plainville. The Ville, baby. The one and Super- only uh, uh, NFL player. Two Super Bowls. Didn't, hasn't won it, but he played in two Super Bowls. Yep, was on the Seattle Seahawks when All th- the Pittsburgh Steelers great, won. Great Purdue Boilermaker at yep. linebacker. Captain his senior year. Won a state championship at Plainville High School in uh, in football. Or, excuse me, baseball, 99. Football. <laughs> Good joke. Actually, their football. They had uh, that quarterback, Anderson, too, who ended up going to Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. Um, I don't know what was in the water during the 90s <laughs> in Plainville football. Something that's not there now. Anyway, no. so. Did you see that story, though, quickly on the that kid? Frankie Griffin? Yeah. Yeah. Is he a stud? It's uh, pretty good, yeah. Is he going to start this year? I have no idea. Okay. So, sorry, folks. We know that we promised you something, bro, but we're running the show a little bit late, so we're going to cut it out for this one. Uh, but please vote, vote. Oh, we got. We almost forgot. Who's our vote for uh, Connecticut Athletes? And we also didn't – just there's just there's a ton of other UConn basketball players. We could – Rebecca Lobo, Maya Moore, uh, Mecca Okafor, uh, Ray Allen, Richard Hamilton, Ben Gordon. The list goes on and on uh, as far as, the, as those players go. Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. Um, Shimon Tools. <laughs> Jake Foskell. Josh Brown. Uh, Johnny Selvey. Doug Wiggins. All right. Well, there's enough. Jerome Dyson. My boy. Not. Uh, who's your vote? Steve Young. Steve Young, huh? Uh, I want to go to Razi. I think she put Connecticut on the map. Not just UConn, but really Connecticut put a relevant – uh, especially just a few years after the Whalers left. So it kind of kept them Connecticut relevant. And uh, what are you looking at me that for? I don't know about the relevant part. Well, See, it the do. UConn men had won in 99. Yeah, but it, it was all part of it. I mean, now it, UConn right. is the capital it is. basketball of the world. It's yep. because it's, it's both teams. So. Well, that 04 when they won their second was the other year where the men won. That was the first time the same school had won both championships. So I'm going Diana Taurasi. Okay, well I'm going Steve Young. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Please vote for your favorite or the greatest athlete of Connecticut of all time. And, folks, now our city tour segment, our bus city tour segment is complete. So we had eight long weeks. is really more than uh, eight weeks. But we have finally com- finished everything. So now what we're going to do is once you vote for Connecticut, we're going to compile all the votes and see who won each week. Uh, or, or each poll, and we're going to kind of do a little bracket. So 1v8, 2v7, we'll just kind of keep going on and on with that. Um, 
Looks like you want to say something, Sam. Oh, all right. Um, so that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. That will really take – this segment will go for a really long time now that I think about it. Um, so keep on voting. We appreciate those votes. And that will do it for today's show. Listen to our fantasy football draft podcast that's on the Nico Empire on the Nico Show. We filmed that last night or recorded that last night. Good time at my house doing the draft with uh, all of our friends. And, uh, yeah, so have a great week, folks. Until next time.